Hello, and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Helen keskin Liu, a screenwriter and producer. <laughs> Title change. <laughs> I'm Jenny Chijang, a culture writer and critic. This week, we are discussing Top Chef and Next in Fashion, two reality competition shows that demonstrate the importance of skill. Yes, that we're going to get into it. Yeah, that is meant as like a little bit of a... I don't know if you would call it shade towards one of them, but... Yeah, there are two sides to that comment, yes. so, yeah. <laughs> How have you been, babes? What what have you been up to the, this last two weeks? Yeah, Jeez. yeah, it's been a couple of weeks for us. Um, I've been okay. Uh, I will say one thing that I mm. have spent too much time on recently is um, my brother and sister-in-law, they sent me this, like, kind of like a knockoff Lego sculpture building kit thing like there's this one is supposed to be in the shape of like like a tree house um like a very sophisticated tree house very elaborate tree house and it oh is God. extremely time consuming extremely like oh painstaking God. detail and in hands and like laborious um but I was just really like engrossed in this for the past week and I'm not oh even God, I'm not even best. done like it's it's taken a very long time but it's just so cute can your brother and sister-in-law send me i'll send them the money like <laughs> i need i need this because i have the lego flower you know the bouquet oh yeah that they have. the famous flowers and the the what like 20 minutes that it took to assemble that you know when people talk about meditating yeah yeah where they're like just don't let your mind wander my mind was not wandering that's I pretty was much focused yeah like it's just natural ritalin just coursing totally. through my veins yeah <laughs> like, this is kind like of when nuts. people yeah. say like oh if you have like if you have a job that's like intellectually demanding like do something with your hands yeah. um yes yes other people choose to bake or do pottery or produce things but this is right this is another avenue if you'd like yeah it's very it's very cute i think um i think they just bought it on like amazon or whatever or it's available on other websites too so yeah i might drop the oh link my God. in her sub i'm immediately but... i'm immediately gonna start looking as soon yeah. as we stop recording it's just yeah, like i love it ugh, it's great it's great um so that's please me. send me a pic when you're done yeah i will absolutely it's gonna take me another like two months i'm assuming but um, anyway how are you helen <laughs> what's up with you lately I'm good. I'm really good. Um, I'm currently on the hunt for a second cat to be a friend to my little girl. Um, so we've been like looking on Pet Finder and, you know, we've, we've gone to some of the shelters in New York a couple of times. Uh, there hasn't been anyone that we've gotten lucky with yet, but we're holding out hope. I think the funny thing is that we've been encouraged to get another male cat because our cat is female and like apparently male female combinations are best because they don't feel threatened mm. by the, the same sex sexness of it um and i obviously refuse because i want two little girls in my house Aww. so <laughs> but we'll see how it goes like obviously if there's a little boy that seals my heart then of course yeah um, but yeah that's Aww. been fun i'm you know, so happy getting greedy. for you and Thanks. i don't know how joni will feel about having a sibling but i pray that she loves yeah. it yeah yeah me too me too i mean she's 
you know, Joni's a diva. Like, she started meowing for her food. She's very demanding now Aww. about the food. Uh, but still, you know, is pretty skittish around us. So we're, we're hoping that the friend will make Maybe her feel more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I wish yeah. you all the best, and please please keep us updated on this very important Thank journey. you. Yes, we, I will, we will include pictures of the new member of the family when they have arrived in oh, the newsletter. Absolutely. I promise. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, as for other things what did you watch this week palin yeah so i've been watching top chef it's finally back you can watch this obviously it's a bravo show but you can watch it on peacock hulu etc wherever you can uh this is the 20th season of top chef it is set in my hometown of london and pulls together international all-stars so this is the first time that they're doing world all-stars uh they usually do all-stars within the states and they're always like some of the best seasons 100 percent. so my husband didn't know this because i watch it with him this is like our show um but he didn't know this that the top chef exists in a number of countries around the world a shit ton of them mm-hmm. um you know brazil canada france belgium greece uh germany indonesia like in a bunch of them not not in every single country but a decent number of them and yeah, what they've in, done is they more than what you would think too yeah yeah and like regionally more countries in the region that, than you would think so there's like a, a number of like asian countries there's only one middle east and north africa a bunch in north america obviously um so this season is set in london uh, but there is no top chef uk so just, you know, if anybody is wondering why they picked that location, I think it's just because it's neutral grounds mm. um, and everybody could probably fly there pretty easily. And also, you know, London's great. Um, <laughs> so the contestants so far are, I would say, a fairly mixed bag. Um, most of them are winners, runners up, and a few are third place finalists uh, in the seasons that they were competing in in their respective countries. I will say the lion's share of the 16 contestants are American. Uh, four are from the US. Um, how do you feel about this season so far? So I was really excited about this season. I mean, just to speak in generally of Top Chef, I am a big Top Chef head, just like you, Palin. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really just like the defining um, and like the, the pinnacle of reality competition show and specifically mm-hmm. culinary reality competition show there are so many of them nowadays but this is like the number one for me and and for so many people like it really yeah. defined a lot of how the genre works and a lot of yeah how prestige in the food like restaurant industry uh work too which is for better or for worse you know they're both goods and bads to that obviously like the show has had its share of like controversy and like mm-hmm. There was a previous winner who was outed to be an alleged sexual harasser. Not great. Um, but still, like, it, it holds, like, a kind of special place in my heart. Um, because yeah. these are just, like, people doing the best of their craft. And that is what I love to see in my reality competition yeah. shows. And I watch a lot of them. Um, so I was really excited for this. Like we, like we said, uh, this is the first sort of world all-stars, which is... Very exciting to me. I love when they pull in sort of international, you know, influences and contestants from different areas, different backgrounds, different influences, and all sorts of things like that. And yeah, I don't know. I was just really hyped for it, and I continue to look forward to every week's episode. It's the it's the all star gene. Everybody's at a ten. Like there's no warm up here. Like you yeah. just have to go into it immediately, doing your absolute best. Yeah, and again, like everyone here basically won or came close to winning their own season so you can imagine how 
high the bar is set for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like you can't coast at all. And even the people who everyone thought were like heavyweights um, or like they're representing a country that's considered a culinary heavyweight, like they're not guaranteed and they're not guaranteed to stay. And so there's no sort of resting on your laurels here. Um, yeah. And that's what makes yeah. it exciting to see. I want to get into a little bit about the episodes that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first episode was uh, the, the, I'm going to talk basically about the elimination challenges, not about the quick fire. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, for first episode, it was vegetable forward dish. So highlighting a vegetable and then using a protein as like more of a supporting actor in on the plate. And then the second episode was the rice challenge, which is genius. And I'm glad they finally fucking did it. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, the third episode is the pub reconstruction. So like basically pub food reconstruction, mm-hmm. like your interpretation of British pub food. Um, and what they did instead of a quick fire is they took, they took everybody out on a pub food crawl and, um, introduced them to all the <laughs> delicacies of pub food, which was really <laughs> funny to it, witness. I thought of you when, when I was watching all this. Um, did you like feel a pang of longing, did longing I feel or craving for any of these dishes? Oh, all the time. But I was, I did not envy any of them for having to eat all that in one day. Like yeah, there's no way. Like you just pick one. And then you nap afterwards. Like, there's no way that you... It just. I was just cracking up at how much everybody was eating on the first round. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't change. Like, it's just the same ingredients built differently. Like, all the components are the same. It's just, like, in a different structure. Um, But, yeah, was it... I was going to ask you as, like, someone that, you know... Yeah, you you know you're mostly vegetarian or like vegan I, for yeah, the most I'm, part. But I'm vegetarian, but so I wouldn't, yeah. So was I couldn't you wouldn't eat these, but sure um, they look. But if you could, good. was it was there one that looked good to you, like the best out of like any of them? Well, I guess Yorkshire pudding. I could have a Yorkshire pudding, but mm. I really like any of the ones with Yorkshire pudding, and just like. You can put anything in there, and I'm sure it'd be great. Um, yeah, I would love to try Yorkshire sure. pudding. Yeah, Yorkshire puddings are great, especially in the context of the the with the gravy and like everything mm-hmm. else is very very good. Yeah. Um, I am yeah, I'm a Sunday roast girl. I love a Sunday roast, and oh. I love love a bangers and mash. Like if you do a good sausage just sitting on a pile of pillowy buttery potato mash uh-huh. and gravy poured over the top of it, you cannot <laughs> go wrong. And listen, everything else is good. Like, it tastes good. I am one of those people that every time the discussion go- comes up on Twitter about how shit British food is, I am i don't feel the need to defend it because I know I love it and I know it's good and you c- can all get fucked as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, would I want to eat all of that in one day? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so I did feel for them. But no, I'm glad they're doing something to kind of like hog back to where they're cooking out of. I don't know if they'll keep going with that. Um, yeah, I I hope so. Because we'll that's like one of the the highlights of you know going to these different cities. Like for the U.S. Yeah. Top Chef, for example, you know they do have challenges. They have like these excursions that touch on the city's like history, cultural history, culinary history, and influences. And those are all like very important. I feel to yeah. creating a more well rounded view of like this context um so I, yeah. I actually i really like when they do that i'm liking what they're doing in london with that like i've never been to london i've never been to the uk so i like to see stuff like that it's almost like i'm yeah i'm like taking a little virtual visit there and they're pulling in a lot of chefs that are actually very good at what they do are very legendary like they had uh, the chef from cole mm-hmm. for one of the quick fire challenges love him love that restaurant and i just hope that they pull in more just because 
I think there is a misconception about London's restaurant scene. It is incredible. It's like, yeah, to me, uh, you know, it's one of the big like cosmopolitan like metropolises of the world. For like, there's, sure, there's so much yeah. There. Yeah, and like growing up, it wasn't. You know, growing up, it was like Pizza Express and Wagamama's, and like that was it, and like Nando's, and like don't get me wrong, <laughs> Nando's is still on my list. But in the last, like, I would say, ten years, it's just that progression of just incredible restaurants has, like, straight up. Me and my husband's favorite place to eat is like all the restaurants. Our favorite ones are all in London. So mm-hmm. I'm just happy that happy that they're kind of introducing that. So I'm I'm excited about that. Um, let's get into a little bit of like the dramas or the potential drama that have been happening like throughout the episodes. So in the first episode, obviously, uh, one of the contestants spilled a little bit of water into the other contestants' um, pots, um, and that like created some kind of frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really wanted to talk to you about episode three's drama. Um, and just so you know, we're going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen episode three, I would skip forward a couple minutes until we get to the point where we just talk generals. Um, so... Just to kind of break down what happened, they were split into teams of two. They didn't have a choice in picking who they worked with. And each pair had to pick one of the pub food dishes to, again, like reimagine and and have an interpretation of. And right from the very beginning, uh, the contestants, May uh, May and Dale, May is from Thailand and Dale is from Canada. They immediately disagreed about what dish that they they should do. And this is one of my favorite. This is like, you know, what we love about Chopped and the ice cream maker. Mm -hmm. It's it's such a huge red flag that you know is not going to end well. Um, Or when someone says they're going to do risotto on Top Chef or any other show. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, So what happened was that May wanted uh, to do Scotch Egg and Dale wanted to pick fish, Fish and Chip. So... He, you know, gave in to what she wanted and then eventually they then disagreed about how they should do the scotch egg. And then that didn't end well for them. Um, they were in the bottom and they eventually got eliminated. How do you feel about the way that this, I think these like newer seasons of drama are playing out? Because if this drama happened in the earlier seasons of Top Chef, there'd be a whole lot more shouting and insult. Yeah. I mean, Top Chef has really evolved from some of his earlier seasons really like (laughs) were representative of that time in like reality TV, which, you know, they're talking the early, the early aughts. It was very much like, um, yeah, the wild west. (laughs) Yeah. Like people behaved kind of outrageously at times. They didn't really know or think about like, Oh, this is a lasting impact. It's going to be around forever. People are going to be able to, you know, attack me or talk to me on social media about it. Like, right. It was really just truly the wild west of TV at the time. And just, and from the back end, like the ethics of the producers were just, they just didn't exist. Um, I think it's gotten a little bit more ethical as time has gone on. Yeah. Sorry, Karen. Yeah. So I, you can see how Top Chef has like evolved or, you know, at least tried to in, in a much more, kind of polished direction they don't do as much about you know the the wild parties or drinking that maybe goes on back at the the house or the apartments or just like people mm-hmm. getting in weird grudges and and like blood feuds against each other and stuff like that and i yeah. think everyone is like hyper aware also again of like the lasting brand image like what they do and how they behave on the show that's is literally gonna define the opportunities they get later and that is really the the prime benefit of a show like this, even more so than the prize. So yeah, this drama, like, 
I do prefer to see like whatever drama may exist in something like this, a show like this happen within the context of the work, right? Like it it comes down to the craft and how people are doing it and different visions. Not like, oh, this guy was like made a comment to me back at the house uh, or like we got in a drunken fight or something. It's, it's more about just like two artisans or artists or whatever, like butting heads um, or disagreeing about how to do something or just like, yeah, you know, knocking elbows in the kitchen. Yeah. And we did get a little bit of yelling, you know, in, in episode two, there was a pan drama. Everyone seems quite mature, uh, which is, which is great, but you're right. I think eventually like ultimately what it's about is just getting the work done. And that was why I think episode three was interesting because we saw the tension in them, even though they kept professional. So we know what's going on in their minds, probably. Ultimately, why they got eliminated wasn't because of the drama. It was because they just simply couldn't pull off the craft. And they were still like... um yeah, definitely you could see the tension there, especially in some of the after comments, but it was still like yeah. professional enough in even yes. just how they reacted. Like it was just like kind of coded wording, um, but nothing yeah, too. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, but nothing too like out of pocket. Yeah. Have you been watching Last Chance Kitchen? Yeah, I have. This is actually the first year that I am like watching Last Chance Kitchen along with you know the main episodes yeah so i did that last year and it was pretty fun i will say so it's very it's a fair like mechanism i think a very fair mechanism and because you basically have to defeat like i don't know 10 chefs to be able to get back in exactly and honestly it's a it's an interesting boot camp for the chef that eventually does win because they just have to be very fast they've only got 30 minutes to do a dish each each mm-hmm. time on last chance kitchen so it's it's interesting and i think you know like last time they get pretty far and you know the purpose of the double elimination in episode three is so that they can slot someone in later on um so critiques i do have a couple but they don't bother me too much um there seems to be some level of unevenness with simply like understanding the, the rules and the formats of the competition that is essentially Top Chef US, there seems to be a little bit different. So we, like with all the other countries and how they format their Top Chef shows, um, you know, we get that from like small comments from all the contestants where, you know, there are some things that are clearly throwing them off. Shit like, you know, we never shop for our ingredients. I think Gabri was in Whole Foods and was like, I don't really, we don't need to shop for our ingredients. So that's like interesting. And then obviously some of them don't have like they talk about quick fire challenges they don't have them or they get x amount of hours in, instead of like the very limited competitive hours in like top chef us you know that you can't really change that you can't like go back and be like actually let's redo all the international shows to have the same exact format of, of top chef us i'm sure there was a reason why they changed the formats just to kind of like suit the entertainment level in the in the respective countries that they did them but it is i think throwing everybody off and i don't know whether like the producers sat them down and was like, hey, this is what's going to happen. You need to be prepared. I will say, I think it truly tickles me that despite this remarkably like international world that we live in and the internet gives us all this information, we know everything and you can get anything everywhere. It's just that, you know, there are some things that the chefs have like never tasted or struggle to represent through their nation. Like with the rice episode, it cracked me up that the German and the Polish woman were like, we kind of don't know what to do. We, we can't really do anything German with rice because it doesn't really exist. Um, it's it's more like potato forward. Um, so it's just like shit like that tickles me. I think there's like something really fun about the hyper specificity of regional food. So who are your favorite contestants so far? Like, do you have any fan favorites or like skill favorites? 
Skill favorites, I think definitely, I don't remember anyone's names, but I think the mm-hmm. um, chef from Spain, I think the one they said who was yes. like Michelin starred. Yes, Begonia. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. She, 100% skill wise, she's my fave too. Just exquisite skills. Yeah. I would eat everything that she has made so far. Like clearly extremely skilled. And I kind of like her temperament too. She just seems like very unfussed. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like personality, I love Gabri, the the contestant from Mexico. Oh, he's funny. <laughs> he's so good. He's he like, like a cl- just perfect reality show personality. Um, I also love Ali, one of the two Middle East and North Africa contestants, and I really like Sylvia from Poland as well. I think she's great. Oh, I, I I like her thing with the potato. How much he loves. Potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah. My dad gave me money for postgrad, and I took it, and I opened a restaurant. And I'm like, sick. <laughs> like, he didn't talk to me for six months, but it's fine. Um, yeah, no, she's great. I, I love how, how she's like, yeah, I'm like repping my set. I love that shit. Um, do you, have you had a favorite dish so far? Has there been anything that you really wanted to eat? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's, it's hard because like most of the vast majority of them, they look so good <laughs> that I, they just like all blend into just being like, oh yeah, that looks great. That yeah. looks great. That looks great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the th- ones that probably stick out in my mind are like the vegetable challenge, like the thing with the carrots and the thing yeah. with the onions. It's just like two <gasps> yes. very kind of particular um, takes on a, a challenge that I wish honestly had been like, you know, just make it vegan. Like this yeah. is a vegan challenge, not just a vegetable four yeah. challenge, but. Yeah, I agree. And it was annoying that they were like, where's your protein? And it's like, what? <laughs> like, shut up. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, I really wanted to eat, um, Ali's like smoky rice, rice dish in episode two. Um, mm. agree with the onion dish. I think that was like, I really wanted to try that. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, like anything that Begonia makes, I'm gonna eat it. I thought it was really funny. Just as a last note, the, the first contestant to go, spoiler alert, the first contestant to go was the guy from France. I know. It's so funny. What an L. Oh my God. <laughs> it was and he got really... eliminated from Last Chance Kitchen too. I know. Madness. Em- Madness. Embarrassing for, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but like, like it France is... is, we, we all know it's held up as this sort of p- pinnacle of culinary arts. Um, yeah. Whether justified or not. And not on so, top chef, yeah, baby. it's just like really. <sighs> It's sort it's of pretty like, funny, yeah. Yeah, it's ironic. It's tragic for him. It's it's all these things. Yeah, I will say I love how shady he is <laughs> um, when he's <laughs> trying to defend his. When he's just like, oh, they like salty, okay, <laughs> like as if to be like <laughs> these stupid Americans and their need to over season everything. So funny. It's so yeah. funny. It's just like a, a you know like a bitchy French Frenchman thing. Like yeah, I, yeah, love it, love it. Who, um, who do you think will win? Last question. Oh well, I think. Begonia is obviously like sort of, mm. she's a front runner for sure. She's been consistently yeah. at the top and she's just undeniably up there. Um, for I also sure, think, yeah. um, I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for Buddha as well from one of the US seasons. He has a very international background. He can mm-hmm. do this like very sort of elevated fine dining, but also has like, um, you know, obviously his Asian cuisine as well. He's just a very versatile yeah. chef. So I think that carried him pretty far previously in previous seasons and i think that could carry him pretty far this season as well listen he he's one of that one of those types of contestants that you know we see on survivor as well that has studied the fucking show 
so closely and knows how to game it. And we saw that in his season. And I think that's what took him far. He knows what the contestant, uh, he knows what the judge is like. He knows how to kind of like bring himself up to the forefront. And we see him kind of like doing that on this season too. So I think, yeah, I think that gameplay can definitely take him far for sure. And he's good. He's a, he's a great chef. All right, Jenny. So what did you watch this week? This week I watched Next in Fashion, which is on Netflix. This is a fashion design competition reality series. It's hosted by Tan France of Queer Eye and as of this most recent season, Gigi Hadid. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I want to give a little bit of history background to the show because I think it is important in informing how we talk about this current season. So the show premiered with its first season in January 2020. Back then, it had Tan France and Alexa Chung as hosts. And Mm -hmm. uh, the designer contestants were global. They're from all these different cities and countries um, around the world. They were mostly already experienced and somewhat established, I would say. There was a partnership with Netaporte. They were very successful and relevant to today fashion designers as guest judges. Like, a lot of things going for it. It was honestly my favorite fashion design competition reality type of show. Yeah. There was just like a caliber of design that was there. It was not amateur hour like Project Runway sometimes has tended to be. It wasn't as kind of gaudy and very nakedly commercial like making the cut can often be. And we talked about making the cut in a previous episode. So you can go back to check for that. Mm -hmm. Um, That first season was canceled and it was very sad. I think a lot of fashion competition reality show lovers truly mourned it. Like, I yeah. definitely have. I've gone back to rewatch some of the episodes and just see some of the designs. And yeah. yeah. You watched that first season, too, and, and enjoyed that, Pellin, right? Oh, my God, yeah. And, you know, we had our qualms with it. We we, we wished definitely. that, like, maybe some parts of, like, the way that Project Runway f- is formatted is brought into this overall format. But we loved the structure of it. I loved it. I loved how, like... Yeah, and like established and also like really studied too, like the contestants. They, a lot of them had graduated from like really prestigious fashion schools and, you know, had done a runway show because they graduated from those fashion schools. So they had that experience and it was just, I remember like saying to you, like, thank God, like Jesus, like we don't have to, I don't know, get half over halfway hump of that season to finally get to some mm-hmm. skill and competition. Like we're yeah, starting it off right that out way. the gate, it right out good. the gate, different styles, you know, which is obviously what we love. Um, yeah, no, I loved it. So then 2023, fast forward, the show somehow gets revived. Yeah. Um, it came back to life this year. Uh, I think it debuted in March and it just looks completely different now. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just like name some of the differences for one, and then we can sort of go into detail on some of these yeah. and what I'm sure will be a series of gripes. But yeah. um, for example, st- starting off, there's no more global casting. Like all the designers yeah. live in the US. Most of them are notably younger and less established or less experienced. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it focuses a lot more on you know, the emotions, the personal backgrounds of contestants, like, I don't want to call it sob stories, but there is basically some milking of, like, sob stories, personal yeah. identities, things like that. Gigi Hadid, 
I'll leave it at that. We can come back to that later. <laughs> the partnership has changed to be with Rent the Runway now, um, which is Ugh. definitely a downgrade. Very 2012. <laughs> yes. Um, the challenges are less sort of relevant or like helpful, I think. They're less like category based. Like before, they used to be like, you know, streetwear, lingerie, like swim, like very, you know, things that designers actually design by nowadays. And they're thinking yeah. of collections or who to, yeah. you know, make the products or these ones, some of the categories, the challenges are like childhood or like flowers, like uh, stuff like that. Even the way that it's, it's put together looks different. Like it's much more, I would say like Netflix kitty level, like the, the sort of yeah. Netflix type of, very bright, ultra saturated, yeah. um, very yeah. specific kind of color grading that is just like not as sleek and as um, polished, I think, as it, it was before. Yeah. In short, it's just some of the worst elements of Project Runway have been brought yeah. to the show. Yeah. It, to me, and also like it felt like the contestants were like Project Runway rejects. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. I'm so sorry <laughs> to everyone that competed. And the thing is, like, I was trying to see it from the angle of like why they did this, which is like who really needs something like this you know like what kind mm. of designer needs a push like this that the show might give them absolutely i agree but like we don't need a tv show for that we you just do the mentorship program <laughs> like it doesn't we don't need cameras everywhere we don't need to turn it into a competition show the way that it looks it's not entertaining i think it's just i was just really disappointed i'm not gonna lie like after the first episode i was like is this a joke like is it, are we like what and then i had to keep watching and i realized that they were serious I, I can't believe it like i still i'm just like why do we do this like yeah. do we really need that, ad money this bad did you really need it right this bad? i mean that's a good question you raise like why would they make all this these changes why would they do this i think i really don't know the reasons why the first season was canceled i have a feeling it was pretty expensive you know they mm. had a lot of like a high caliber of like materials, just like the quality materials they brought in, um, mm -hmm. probably the way it was runways are put together, but you know, they put together the runways in a similar way in this season. So I don't really know, like maybe the viewership was lower than they expected, but yeah. it really, you know, engaged a very passionate and loyal audience in a way that something like this, I don't know that it could. I think they really were just trying to, they, they saw two choices, maybe, the, the head haunches at Netflix. They're like, we could go making the cut route. That is ultra expensive. That's, like, yeah. extremely expensive. Way more money than, you know, next in fashion season one would have cost. Yeah. Or we can go for the kind of lower budget project runway style and try to use more of, like, the, the tricks of, you know, a relatable you know, fashion show to mm -hmm. get people in the door and make people watch. Yeah. Instead of next in fashion season one had blended sort of the two in a way that was really nice, but now it really is just like gone down that project runway route and, and not in a flattering way. I think even project one way, if you look at it's sort of reboot, it's revival, it's recent seasons, I would say are, are better than next in fashion season two to, yeah. as well. And I don't know, I really can't speak to why it was changed in this way. Did you end up finishing the whole, you know, second season, Helen? I did. I did. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 sk I skipped a couple of episodes. Not, like, completely. I was, like, fast-forwarding. But I did end up watching, like, the majority of it. And I watched the, se the two episodes towards the end, uh, including the mm -hmm. season finale, like, in full. I, I was just kind of disappointed. I mean, I, it's interesting because, like, I don't want to sound like a complete hater, but... 
fashion is something that I value very, very deeply. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish all these designers the best. They are, they clearly have way more skill than I do. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And they're all skilled. Like, they make good clothes, like not necessarily to my taste, but whatever. It's just that if I had to pick a reality competition show to watch for the rest of my life, it would probably be a fashion one. And I just mm-hmm. want it to be really good. And I don't know, it just kind of broke my heart a little bit that I was, you know, I was looking forward to, to this for so long. Like, we haven't had a Project Runway in ages. I hated make, making the cut. I'm never going to watch another season of that again. Um, I, <laughs> I don't like, blame you. Yeah. To, like, cause for me, that is like, uh, on principle, I will not watch it. Like, it's, it's so clearly geared towards like sales that I don't care. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with this, it was like, because I was so, because the first season was so good, um, I, it just kind of like really, really brought it down. So yeah, I, I did finish it. And I think the winner was justified. I think, yeah, like he's good. So yeah, once you get past the hump, and it's actually it is quite a lot to ask people to get past that, you know, hump the 50% of the way. I'll say there were a few like, you know, good designs. I enjoyed seeing the final collections from the, the three finalists. I, you know, it's obviously the people who are left are going to be slightly more skilled i think or have a you know a better taste level than the other contestants who were eliminated so i did enjoy seeing those i think there were some good things happening but yeah i'll just like concur like overall just the standard of design um especially if you compare to next in fashion season one just like episode by episode each contestant like delivering almost all the time um it it was just it just falls short by a lot. Yeah. Um that said, did you have any favorite contestants on this season? Yeah, Megan. Hands down, Megan. Mm. To me, Megan is like the one with the most vision. Um, out of all of them, honestly. Like even the winner. I think Nigel is great and I think he's very skilled and he has a particular look, but in terms of like fashion and like just original look, feel and like bringing in that kind of style and having a cohesive identity i think megan was again like i don't like color like i think you're a neutral gal black and white yeah i'm a neutral girl i'm a row girl like i'm all about the materials like i love like gothic designers too because i love like the, the the fun thing about playing with like black is that you just really have to lean into the structure and the material um and like how you build and craft that piece of clothing um but yeah that's me and megan is the opposite of that but it didn't matter. I just really liked her eye. I really liked what she was doing with it. Um, so yeah, hands down, Megan. What about you? I would agree Megan is the one who probably had the most uh, unique vision and most just like, like I honestly hate it, hate the critique when judges, whenever they say, um, and Gigi Hadid does this a lot, mm-hmm. when they say like, oh, this is so you. And that's the only thing they can think of to comment about like a garment. But I'll say like ev- everything Megan did, it was it was very her, and that yeah. distinct point of view is very important as as a designer or as a creative, like yeah. just to have that sort of vision and clarity of vision. Yeah, um, I'll say like one of my favorite garments, just total of the whole competition, probably came from Bao Tranchi, mm. who ended up being one of the finalists, and yeah, the, but she was obviously more experienced uh, out of all of them she is one of the more experienced designers yeah for sure um, yeah i mean just overall again some good stuff some potential um but just like the overall like taste level or maybe the way that the 
the challenges guided, you know, what they could produce. It just like was, was not quite up to snuff. Um, and then moving on to like the hosting and judging side, like judges, they continue to bring in some big design, like they got some like very big designers. Very big. Very, very big, but not quite so many like, you know, working designers today who are like hot and relevant um, and successful today mm-hmm. in this current period who you could like, maybe these contestants could th- think of and be yeah. like, I want to be them in 10 years. Yeah. Not quite to the extent they did in season one. Yeah. Um, Gigi Hadid, what are your thoughts on her as the new Alexa Chung? Beautiful gowns. <laughs> Lovely gowns. It's like literally exactly my reaction <sighs> no i love i mean i love her i you know i love the hadids i think they're beautiful i think they will save this era of fashion modeling i think they are you know the faces of of this generation yeah. but um yeah she's sweet she's sweet it's just you know alexa has a really deep bench of experience of of hosting in general like before she was a model before she was anything she was a host so you know she was so well oiled for that machine uh whereas i think this is Gigi's first hosting gig she can only get better um i i do have hope for her i think she's got a great spirit uh but she is yeah she's not as wordy and i don't i don't straight up i don't know if it's because you know like when the judges are sitting there and critiquing the stuff coming down the runway as it's coming down a little bit of like what the fuck is going on what are they talking about i don't see what they're seeing um but yeah, the adjectives are very basic, uh, not as yeah. detailed. I think Gigi is all about the vibe of something and not necessarily about like the skill and craft. She can't speak to it. You know, she's not Heidi and she's certainly yeah on the hosting end. She's not Alexa. Well, I guess I will. We will forever mourn what could have been after season one. And that was just, we'll just consider that a different show entirely. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, congratulations to the winners, to the people who... Maybe got a boost from this season. Sure. And Netflix, if you are listening, which of course I I assume you are listening to each and every one of our episodes, please take our feedback into consideration when you think about what to do for the next season of Next in Fashion. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. So for Culture Notes this week, we are going to be talking about the now viral video uh, of... Sophia Coppola's daughter Romy getting on TikTok and trying to make pasta failing I might add um, and then deleting the video but obviously the internet is forever and it made its way onto Twitter and made the rounds and I'm obsessed with this video. Jenny do you want to break it down as to what's going on in the video? Yeah so it's a short clip she Romy who is a teenage girl I don't know how old she is but I would guess like 15, 16, yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, she's making the vodka, vodka sauce pasta, which everyone makes on TikTok now, um, for the past three years. Yeah. She doesn't know what an onion is versus a garlic, piece of garlic versus a shallot, anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> she's doing this whole thing, she says, because she's grounded because she tried to charter a helicopter to go see her camp friend and have dinner with them in Maryland. Incredible. From New York. Just as like, Incredible, just offhand comment. Um, and she continues to like sort of blab. She's like, yeah, you know, my parents don't want me to have social media because they don't want everyone to think I'm a Nepo baby. But, you know, I'm not going to get famous from TikTok anyway. Uh, um, well, still doesn't know how to cook. 
Yeah, here we go. Still doesn't know how to cook, doesn't know if she's doing her dish right. Um, says that her nanny or her babysitter and her babysitter's boyfriend are akin to her replacement parents. Oops. Because her parents are never um, home. Nanny's, yeah. Nanny's boyfriend makes an appearance. He's an academic. He definitely looks like one. Yep. Um, he says an iconic feminization of the word fiasco makes it into fiasco in honor of women's history month and (laughs) yeah that is the video it's it's short sweet and you know there's something about it that really had that quality of going viral especially tied to that whole nepo baby discourse which has been going on for a while now but this really touched on that and sort of flipped it on its head like why why in this culture of nepo baby fatigue do you think pelin like why has this nepo baby just like really succeeded in capturing the attention and making people root for her we want and we are all fascinated by this because again it's like something that feels unreachable it feels like not just that you're rich but that people know you for you i think the thing that cracked me up so much in this video is that when she was trying to show that she's a nepo baby she she pulled out her father's grammy instead of her mother's oscar um her father is famously thomas mars (laughs) of phoenix fame so yes very she's famous on both ends uh but me personally i would have shown my mom's oscar but I don't know. Maybe that that says maybe that says something about their relationship. Who's to say? Um, Who's to say? Well, I think probably because her dad was the one to ground her, so that's probably why she. Sub- mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The reason why I think we're fascinated is because again, we are all a bunch of millennials. We grew up on Nepo Baby content. Uh, you know, the simple life. Uh, what was the show about the two rich girls? Like one of them was Tommy Hilfiger's daughter. I've forgotten that oh, one. Oh, I actually have no idea. Anyway, that was like on MTV, I think, as well. You know, we grew up on that shit. We're fascinated by these people. We're fascinated by, like, the hills, the OC, like, just these people that live in very particular worlds. This is just a callback to that time. The thing that I loved about this video was just the way that initially you think, like, oh my god, what an out-of-touch child. But this is really funny. She kind of knows how to laugh at herself. She knows that it's embarrassing that she doesn't know the difference between an onion and a garlic and what they look like. And then we find out she also doesn't know what a shallot looks like. Um, all of this is just really funny and kind of endearing and extremely harmless. Just the out of touchness is quite entertaining. I think there's, there are times where you just like get a peek into these worlds and you remember that they exist and it's not just on succession. And uh, it's always funny. It's always funny, especially when it's like told through the perspective of a, of a child. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. And I think there is like, obviously, Gen Z is fascinated with Nepo Babies too, probably even more than millennials oh, for are sure. currently. But yeah. Um, yeah. there is something about like the children of famous directors. Like directors are famously much more private than I think a lot of the big celebrities totally. who produce offspring yeah. um yeah we don't really get glimpses of them as much although they are sometimes have fan bases that are just as you know fanatic about the create the the auteur than um you know just like whatever random celebrity or actor or singer um yeah. there is another very famous if you want to call her napa baby uh, martin scorsese's young daughter who mm-hmm. is also on tiktok people love her because yeah. she gives people what they want which is her asking marty about different things (laughs) and just like supplying us with that information and he's like he's an old dad you know he's yeah basically grandfather age to her yeah yeah um and i will say like i think martin scorsese is known for being pretty like easygoing 
Yeah. And then here on the, op- you know, similar but opposite side of the spectrum, you have like, you know, this daughter who's very clearly like, my parents are never around. Like, they basically ignore me or whatever. Like, yeah. and I think there have been some gossip or whispers from other people who are like, uh, yeah, you know, I used to work with their, their household or something, or like, I can confirm, like, her mom is never there. Her parents are never there. Yeah. Um, but it's just like a very, um, it's a kind of sad, kind of sweet, mostly just like funny. Yeah. Glimpse at this like very specific kind of life and upbringing and yeah. whether or not that is like ultimately good for the teen, the good for the kid or not. Like, I mean, you know, up for debate. We, <laughs> we're going to talk about succession like this week, every yeah. week from, from now on until it ends. So you can see like the effects of. Yeah. 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 Like the worst parents, case like, scenario as well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, this is just like a, a sort of really funny charming um frothy kind of thing which i think she comes off she comes off good she comes off funny like she she knows that her life is ridiculous and still she's gonna make the best of it and do what she wants with her replacement parents she's gonna try and charter that helicopter even if it gets her into trouble good for you yeah like do it if you want to go see your camp friend honey you do what you need to do you know like but i will say like for context as well like she is her mother is also a nepo baby like she's a nepo grandchild if we're go- if we're really going to get there like she's got it from two two generations so i think i understand probably like sophia's allergic reaction to her kids having media because she i think saw a pretty shit end of it when she started starring in her father's films and so she got a lot of you know like at the time like media abuse about it so obviously she herself has witnessed it and doesn't want her kids to go through it. So there's there's that kind of like context too. Um, shout out to Romy. I hope you finally figured out a way to make that vodka pasta. And I thought, I hope it's really good. That is it for us this week. Uh, just as a reminder, we are doing mini succession recaps of this final yeah. season. So that should have already come out in the feed already before you were hearing this episode. Yes. Um, so tune into those and continue to tune into our main episodes. You mm-hmm. will have double the content for you, essentially. Oh my god, um, yeah. In the meantime, if you are watching anything that you think we should check out, let us know. We're at criticismisdead at gmail.com. We're also at criticismisdead, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. So you mm-hmm. can add us or DM us on those platforms. Yeah. Or extended show notes, including links to everything we've been talking about and more check out our newsletter criticismisdead.substack.com uh rate and review us on apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice tell a friend about us continue listening to us thank you so much uh we appreciate you all yes see you next week bye criticism is dead is produced by pelin keskin lu and jenny jisha our music is by rika our artwork and design are by sarah macias and andrew lu 